So we're going to do repeal and replace. Very complicated stuff. Tests, office visits, pills, hospitalizations. What do they all actually cost? $330 billion with a B. Monday marks the beginning of open enrollment in the health insurance marketplaces. This is confusing. to Health O'Clock, show 16, recorded September 3rd, 2017. We are your source for health news, trends, and insights. So now it's time to talk about healthcare. It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) And we are in our shiny new podcasting studio. This is great. Health O'Clock has never felt so big, and uh, I just love our new area. It's beautiful. And a little update for us. We did get married. We got married. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he went through with it. So. I did. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't run and neither did she. <laughs> no. And so far, so good. I'm loving it. Yeah. We just moved in uh, and we got the new studio set up. Everything just feels like home. And we're glad to be podcasting finally. Yes. And we will hopefully get back to a normal routine now that life has settled down a little bit. It's still crazy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's still crazy. But uh, welcome. If, if this is your first time listening, my name is Jay. Hi, Jay. And I'm a normal <laughs> guy. <laughs> oh, and I'm Andrea. I am a health actuary. I'll give you my normal health actuary disclaimer. Um, everything I tell you on this podcast is for educational purposes. I want you to understand how healthcare works in the United States. Um, but if you need an actuary for business purposes or whatever, go out and hire an actuary. Um, also, anything I say here doesn't represent the views of my company, um, of the Society of Actuaries, the American Academy of Actuaries. So, um, again, for educational purposes only. And my name's Jay. I'm a normal guide. You know, this morning, I actually found myself making some bacon. Mm. And <laughs> just like normal guys do. He did. It's true. <laughs> and then I went out and mowed the lawn. Again, like normal guys do. And uh, yeah, I'm playing with audio sound effects because I guess that's not very normal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, I don't understand healthcare at all. So I'm glad I'm sitting here with Andrea and hopefully together we can all figure this out. So today for our show... Uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, last show we did was on the potential health care bills that the Republicans were putting forward. So if you paid attention at all, you know that that has gone kaput. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what's going on in the news. Love that bumper. Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> so today we've got three different topics that we want to talk about today and uh, about what's happening currently in the news. And the first one is an update on repeal and replace. We love repeal and replace here. It's just as podcasters, (laughs) it keeps us, I guess, relevant and always gives us something (laughs) to talk about on our toes, on our toes. We're okay. Here we go. Jay, what do you remember when we talked about this last time? Okay. From last time, I remember that they kept promising repeal and replace and it turned out it wasn't that 
different. It, it, I mean, they introduced bigger ideas and new ideas to something that existed called the Affordable Health Care Act. And I remember that there were some funky things going on, like they were reducing the access for the underprivileged and the low income and increasing benefits for those making over $250,000 a year. I remember there is a couple things that were a little crazy in my mind. Yeah. So they put forward this bill and the House passed a bill and the Senate was trying to put together a bill and in a dramatic vote late night, it got (laughs) voted down. So after that, like failure of the Senate to pass any kind of bill, they've just decided they're going to move on to tax reform and not deal with health care anymore. Yeah, okay, let's do tax reform. Healthcare <laughs> yeah, is too high. Yeah, so they've decided that repeal and replace is, at this time, not realistic to do. We'll see how that plays out when elections come around. <laughs> Maybe people won't remember. Yeah. I do want to ask, Jay, because there's a poll that came out in August. Oh. The Kaiser Family Foundation took a poll um, finding out how voters feel about repeal and replace versus trying to make it work with the Affordable Care Act. Okay. I want to know, Jay, what do you think? What percentage of the country wants to make it work with the Affordable Care Act? What's already in place? Okay, so the percentage of people that I think are A-OK with Affordable Health Care Act, I'm going to guess 63%. Okay. And do you know, like, breakdown of, is that mostly Democrats? Is it mostly Republicans? I think mostly Democrats are in favor of the Affordable Health Care Act, and mostly Republicans are in favor of repeal and replace. Although, I'm thinking more Republicans have jumped from their point of view to uh, Affordable Health Care Act. Interesting. Let's look at the actual numbers. Okay. This is exciting. It's like a game show. Yeah, I know. Okay. So overall, 78% of the country says that the administration and Congress should do what they can to make the law work. And 17% thinks of the country thinks that they should do what they can to make the law fail. Is the way the poll was worded. And when you say the law, you mean Affordable Health Care? The Affordable Care Act, yes. Ah, so. so the breakdown <laughs> uh, by political party, 95% of Democrats think that they should make the law work. Mm-hmm. 80% of independents think that they should make the law work. And okay. 52% of Republicans think that they should make the law work. So even among Republicans, the majority still think that they should try and make the law work in August is when this poll was taken. Well, and it's barely September, so that's about as relevant as we can get. Right. Okay. So here's another question on the poll. What percentage of the country views the law favorably? Jay, what do you think? Okay. Uh, The law meaning the Affordable Affordable Care Act. Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I think that's a little less. I'm going to say 51% think that the ACA is fair. Okay, you are really close. All right. (laughs) 52% view the law favorably. And that's a 9% increase 
or nine points since last November. So last November, it was 43% viewed the law favorably. Okay. So between last November and now, 9% more were like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess it's all right. I'm on board with this now. (laughs) So I don't know if it was the healthcare debate and they realized, oh, maybe I'm going to lose something if this repeal goes through. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of interesting. That is very interesting. So uh, I thought that was an interesting poll. That's on on, uh, Kaiser Family Foundation. They do a lot of really good health statistics. Go check out their website if you're bored and want to look at health stats. Uh, Man, I was hoping for one (laughs) more quiz. Oh, uh, let's see if I can find. And I want to go double or nothing. Let's make this interesting. (laughs) Double or nothing. Okay, here's the other question. Okay. How many Americans get their health coverage through the health marketplaces. Hmm. And we will accept your answer in millions of Americans. Just oh. for reference, all of the United States is 330 million Americans. Yeah. Well, by roughly. law... Oh, so you're saying... So how many people actually the get... Marketplace use opposed the marketplace to... the Affordable Care Act marketplace. Opposed to work, you know... Getting, getting it, it through work, work or, getting it through Medicare, Medicaid, okay, other sources. Uh, I'm going to guess 30%. I don't have a calculator with me. <laughs> so that so, would be about 110 million? Yeah, 110 million. Okay. You're way too high. Really? Yes. Only 10 million people receive their coverage direct through the Affordable Care Act marketplace. That blows my mind. Yeah. There is a much higher percent that get their coverage through Medicaid. Oh, yeah. Which the Affordable Care Act also kind of covers, but that's a different system. It's actually going out to healthcare.gov. Only 10 million people are affected by that. That's astounding. Wow. Good. That was fun. Thank, Yay. thank you good for quiz. a good quiz. <laughs> Who doesn't like quizzes? Okay. So a few more updates on this whole Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, repeal and replace. What are we doing with sure. this? Um, our current president has threatened not to fund the cost sharing subsidies. Um, Hold on. I'm confused. So our current president, cost sharing subsidies, what does this mean? This is for those 10 million people that get their coverage uh-huh. on the marketplace. Some of them are low-income people that actually pay less in deductible copays sure. because they're low-income, and the government covers the rest. Mm-hmm. And our current president has threatened, I don't know he's, I don't think he's followed through on it yet to not pay for that. Oh. So the insurance companies are kind of freaking out. Another one of uh, Donald Trump's like scary threats. Who knows if he's going <laughs> to back it up? Yeah, we don't know if he'll back it up. He has recently, like within the last week, cut millions of dollars from the budget for um, open enrollment outreach, which I don't know if you remembered, but back in the day when Obama was in charge... He spent tons of money on advertising and like hiring people to help get people signed up. Yeah. And Trump has pretty much cut. He's Cutting cut, jobs. He's cut 90% of that funding. I don't know if it's jobs. It's just marketing funding, basically. Okay. So well, he's cut all of that. Who knows if that will impact anything or not. Time will tell. Two other things. Okay. The Senate Health Committee 
is currently holding bipartisan meetings on legislation to stabilize the market. Now, this is huge. Bipartisan, if I remember, means both Republican and Democratic. You are correct. Working together. Shocking. (laughs) I know. Really, I mean... it seems like this this time period has been so polarized. You're a Democrat. You're a Republican. Here's what we believe. My and, daughter can't marry your son. <laughs> and, and, and now they're working together for health care. It, it almost seems like actually politics as it's supposed to be. Let's hope it works. I actually believe that you need both sides to have... to kind of get all the perspectives and make like some kind of meaningful useful change Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that they actually come up with something helpful oh yeah oh this is gonna be big the other bipartisan event that's happened is eight governors uh bipartisan republicans and democrat governors have sent up five page letter to congress outlining some specific steps that need to be taken to stabilize the market and that was last week. Did they nail it on the door of... No. <laughs> they went up to the door of Congress and, and nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> it's like the 95 DC. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, just seeing all this bipartisan, we both want something better. Yeah. And they're working together to come up with workable solutions. This is great. So this is that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. It's so really good nice. news for people that have health and health care and that have any interest of living in the United States <laughs> and <laughs> we'll see what comes having of it. health insurance. So yeah. okay. Maybe cool. nothing. We'll Maybe see. Maybe nothing. So topic number two. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is this is big. The cure of cancer is kind of a big, you don't want to be throwing this around. Uh, but for those who haven't heard about this, this is a big, big headlines in the cancer world. So we'll go ahead and roll the clip and then let's, let's just discuss it, okay? A promising medical breakthrough in the U.S. could save thousands of lives each year. A new kind of cancer treatment which harnesses a patient's own immune system cleared a big hurdle Wednesday. If the drug is fully approved, it'll be the first gene therapy on the market. For more on this, we are joined by Jonathan Cohen. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Hematology and Oncology at Emory University's School of Medicine. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I, I saw that one of the doctors who voted in favor of this treatment told the Washington Post that this is the most exciting thing I've seen in my lifetime. Do explain to us how this drug works and why it's so promising. So CAR-T is a group of new drugs that are pretty remarkable, actually. They take the patient's own immune system. They they harvest T-cells. They then are manufactured and engineered in a way that they then recognize the cancer and are infused back into the patient where they then go and take out residual cancer cells. And it's really hard to overstate the impact that this new therapy will have on a, a lot of patients. So how far is it in the approval process? Or in other words, when will patients be able to get it, you know, from their drugstores. So this is, a, this is a type of therapy that, especially at the beginning, will only be available in specialized centers, uh, many of which uh, currently uh, participate in bone marrow transplantation. And many of those centers are already offering this therapy through clinical trials. Our hope is that by later this year, some of these therapies will be available uh, uh, outside of a clinical trial uh, when we receive FDA approval. This is a special new drug 
they take out your actual immune cells, your T cells. They genetically modify them. They didn't say GMO in this. I know. He didn't say it because that freaks people out. Oh, scary. (laughs) But that's what they do. They genetically modify your cells to look for cancer cells and attack those specifically, which is what they try to do all along instead of, you know, chemotherapy just kills everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely a big step forward. Right now, this therapy is only being used after chemotherapy has failed. Interesting. So it's still kind of a specialized, not applied mm -hmm. to everyone, right now focused on uh, childhood cancers, leukemia and so forth. But it does sound like it, it, it does have a really surprising positive rate of success. Right. Now let's talk about the price tag on this. Okay, here's where <laughs> here's where our show comes into play. This whole healthcare price tag. Here we go. Okay, and we've talked about this before. Very expensive drugs are the cost is going to get spread out among everybody. Um, yeah. So you can expect in in your healthcare pool, whoever you're in, if someone gets this therapy, that cost will be spread out to everybody. The yeah. cost is four hundred. And $75,000 for a course of treatment. Half a million bucks, pretty much. Yeah. Now, a course of treatment, that means multiple, however many, like, visits. It's not per visit. Right. And they expect it to take between one and three months. So I think it's kind of a, they take your cells, they put them back in, they wait a month, see if it works. And then they try it maybe a couple more times. Okay. Success rate's pretty high on this drug. I think it's between 80 and 90% um, on the specific childhood cancer cases that they've tried it on. But it sounds like it could work for everybody, like all the variety of ages and possibly a variety of types of cancer yes there are some pretty serious side effects that go with it though it sounds like oh yeah Uh, in some cases there have been really really serious side effects so it's still not like perfect Mm -hmm. and it's not a cure by any means okay so what i wanted to talk about i mean this is a big deal that they're using gene therapy they're modifying your own cells to go in and fight disease yeah Jay, let's talk about this a little bit. Genetic modification of your own cells to fight disease. What do you think? What are the pros and cons of this? Okay, well, pro, I love the idea of using science and genetic modification to better humankind, to solve problems that have been plaguing us, such as cancer. I think that's just amazing and and that's that's just really encouraging in my mind. The scary part is, however, is the serious side effects. I don't know how this thing's set up, but I do know it has, like you said, a big price tag. I'm wondering if that perhaps the big price tag helps development and to minimize uh, the serious side effects. Possibly, yeah. I think right now the big price tag is actually associated with the number of people who are getting these therapies. Oh, so it's very rare that yeah. somebody would actually so, get this. Uh, the, not everybody with cancer is going to get this therapy. It's oh, a, no. yeah. The guy on the clip said it's only specific centers in the U.S. that offer it right now. So they know there's not that many people who are going to get it. 
So they want to recoup all their costs, and they have fewer people to recoup their costs with, so the price tag needs to be higher. That does make sense. Okay. That's, I mean, that's how the pharmaceutical industry prices. It's not what it costs them to make. It's here's how much we need to charge to make what we want to make. Yep. So they did one of the things they're doing. Novartis is the manufacturer of this drug. They're based in Sweden, pharmaceutical company. They claim they're using innovative pricing approach. Uh, which means for uh, people on Medicaid, the low-income people, they said they'll waive the cost if the first treatment in the first month doesn't work. So they'll reimburse Medicaid, the, pe- the state the paying for it, yeah. if it doesn't work. So they won't charge you that full amount if it didn't work the first time. Yeah. Um, also, for the underinsured and uninsured that get stuck with this huge bill, they said they'll work with them to try and lower the cost and make it affordable. So it's something to help with that huge price tag, but it's still not ideal. They sound like they have a heart. <laughs> Is it weird? Maybe the Swedish people. <laughs> I don't think Skrelly would have done this, Martin Skrelly. Well, yeah, you're right. He wouldn't have. It, I mean, maybe they recognize that this high of a price tag, and maybe the highest I've ever heard of, maybe they recognize that bad PR comes with that. So they're trying to lessen it a little yeah. bit. So what's your thoughts? What's your, uh, what do you think of this whole genetically modified T cells? <laughs> well, genetically modified still freaks people out. Anytime you go in and mess with the DNA of something, I believe there are going to be unintended consequences. But I also believe, at least in fighting disease right now, that targeted approaches are better. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen this in, in mental health where they used to give you drugs that, or they used to do treatments like lobotomies that would just wipe <laughs> out everything that's causing a problem. <laughs> and, yeah, and, they're cured. <laughs> they don't have the problem anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but now they have other mop, problems. You know? I know. <laughs> so, yeah. and now they have more targeted treatments that affect whatever uh, chemical is out of balance or whatever. So it's, I mean, it's a common trend in medicine to just affect the one thing that's going wrong. And I think that's what they're trying to do on a genetic level. At the same time, all of the bad side effects are related to what they're doing with the genetics. Um, So I don't think it's a perfect science yet. And I think they need to keep working at it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, all this stuff has really got me exhausted. I do think it's time that we relax and put our feet up, Ah. let it all sink in, (laughs) and enjoy our break. And in your podcast host bloodstream right now. 
GMOs. I don't know what that was all about. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of have a feeling you do. (laughs) I always enjoy those mind breaks. I know. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay, so we've got one more in the news topic, and this is more of an open-ended type discussion. And I believe Jay is going to approve or disapprove of each of these ideas. Yes, I do. And then maybe defend them or argue against them. Let's give it a go. Okay, let's see how we do. Okay, so let's set it up first. Yeah, yeah. NPR came out with ideas on how to fix our Medicare system. Or how to fix the insurance market in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so everything. NPR reported on this on August 30th. So very recently, like three or four days ago, um, there are a lot of articles out there with all these different ideas of what we could possibly do to fix. So we're just taking a couple and talking about them. Yeah. All right. So go ahead and and lay out uh, suggested NPR fix number one, please. Suggested NPR fix number one. And I don't know if this is sponsored by NPR or whatever, but okay. Number one. Lower the Medicare eligible age from 65 to 55. Okay. Uh, Here's my thought as a normal guy. That means that more baby boomers would be on the Medicare system right now. I feel that that pool would quickly fill up and uh, would be... I don't know. I think it would cause more problems down the road, uh, actually, pretty quickly. And so my vote is null. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's this basic idea of how do we get more people covered? And generally in the market, the sickest people are the older people mm-hmm. who are still not on Medicare. Statistically. Statistically. So, yeah, it kind of, it helps out more people, but it also kicks the can down the road for everybody under 55. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris are co-sponsoring a bill that wants Medicare for everybody. Medicare so this for is all. suggested number two? No, this oh. is just kind of a side note uh, to okay. this. So there are all these different theories out there. If we just lower the age, we help more people. If we give everybody Medicare, we help people. Um, so a lot of different ideas out there. Okay, suggestion number two. Allow people to buy in to Medicaid. Hmm. Okay, so in my simple mind... (laughs) And we haven't talked about Medicaid yet, so let me just remind you what that is. Okay, thank you. That is coverage for low-income people funded by the state. The low-income people pay in very, very little, and they get basic health care coverage. Okay, to me, this sounds like buy-in is a very open undefined how much are we actually buying into this so say i ain't i am fortunate enough to have a normal job uh that i could make money and and buy in which would be deferring the difference between 
the Medicaid and my current plan. So, or current income. I don't know. I think, I think this might actually put more money into the system and, and helping out the Medicaid program. And so I'm going to say, yay. <laughs> uh, it's funny you should yay that. The state of Nevada also yayed that uh, idea. Okay. Uh, the legislature passed this idea, sent it to the governor, and the governor vetoed it. Ah, oh, come on, governor. So, but the idea of buying in is if you're above the Medicaid income level, mm-hmm. you can pay a small premium. And get the same kind of coverage. Now, the the dark side of this, I and I could be wrong here, but it does sound like it is undermining the existing medical systems, insurance systems already in place. Yes. So it sounds like a loophole to get around paying the fat cat insurance prices. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, I could see that kind of being controversial. The other problem is it's harmful for medical providers, your doctors, um, because Medicaid pays so much less to doctors than normal insurance. Oh, okay. So doctors are going to get way less money if enough people buy in. And less incentive. Yeah. So that's the issue with that one. Okay. But it seems like a good idea. I liked it. Nevada didn't go through with it, though. Yeah, okay. Okay, idea number three. All right. And this was some insurance exec said, we should kick younger adults off of their parents' insurance. It was a terrible idea to have dependents to age 26. Kick them off their parents' insurance, put them back in the marketplace, make them buy their own plans. Mm, Okay, so if we kicked them off their parents' insurance, that would mean they would have to get their own most likely that 10 million customer or subscriber to the uh, ACA would increase. Uh, so it's f- pretty much forcing customers. The downside is I don't know that the customers could get a job. But the, I, guess, <laughs> I guess actually, according to the current uh, unemployment rates, I mean, it's possible. Uh, why not? Yay! I'll give this a yay. <laughs> oh, I might disagree with you on this one. Okay. The younger adults who are still on their parents' insurance probably don't have a job that offers them health insurance. That is true. Um, I know a lot of people our age and younger, like in their 20s, who are working survival jobs. You, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's still left over from the... Um, the recession, 2008, 2009, it's hard to find a job at that age. Dark that, days. That will pay health insurance. So if you kick them off their parents' plan, chances are they're just not going to get coverage. They're going to chance it. Unless oh, their parent pays for them. I did not understand. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't consider those parts. That's a good point. Yeah, so unless their parent pays for them to have coverage... Which chances are they'll only do if that person is sick or, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would give that a boo, but that's just me. I'll give it a boo for you. Boo! <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, idea number four. Require insurers, so health insurance companies, any, yeah. who participate in any kind of government insurance, so Medicare, Medicaid, oh. 
anything mm-hmm. along those lines, even insurers who offer coverage in the small group and individual market require them to offer a plan on the marketplace on healthcare.gov. Like make it mandatory. Yes. If you are participating in this markets, you must do this. All right. So if say I'm on uh, Billy Bob's insurance company and I offer Medicaid and Medicare, uh, which is government run, I have to enlist my services on this site. It seems logical. Um, maybe it would get more business. And if I got more business, then there would be more room for growth and more competition, maybe making things a little more fair. All right. My, uh, I, I'm going to go with a <laughs> yay on this. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> You hit some of the major points. If you have more people participating in the marketplace, there's better competition. That's the major point they're trying to make with this suggestion. Right now, 33% of counties in the United States only have one option on the marketplace. Okay. Yeah. Most of the major carriers have said, "Uh, we're not dealing with this anymore, and they've stopped offering coverage. So that's the good part, is you get more people back in, you increase competition. Uh, The downside is forcing insurers to offer products. Can can get kind of dicey if you're looking at a a free market. Is it really free when you're forcing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, and we'll probably talk about that more when we uh, talk about healthcare economics in a couple weeks, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag. I think if I were deciding, I would narrow it a bit and say if you're offering coverage on the individual or small group market in the state, you have to offer on the exchange also. Yeah. Okay. Last idea. Last idea. Last one. Let people use their health savings accounts, their HSA accounts, to pay premiums, to pay their health coverage. Um, and this, okay, so an HSA is saving health savings account. That's something that employers would donate, not donate, but put money into a fund. And you might also. In a bank Mm -hmm. that can be used for health reasons and premiums would be something just your monthly whatever, uh, you know, difference to uh, keep your plan. You know what? Maybe I'm a liberal, but I think it's your money and uh, you're using it for health reasons. And especially if you're healthy, I don't understand what what the problem is in, decre- in using your money. I mean, money's money any way you look at it. So I'm going with a yay. <laughs> you're right i mean money is money and if you're healthy and you're not going to use it for health expenses why not be able to use it to pay that's what it's there for it's almost a benefit to you if you don't have health expenses to be able to use that on your rates and like not have to pay out of your pocket exactly uh the only argument that i would make against it is if you use all your money to pay your premiums and you've got a $5,000 deductible 
and something does happen, then you have no money to pay for that. And that's the risk you kind of sign up for with a uh, HSA. Right. So I would say you have to hold enough money into your HSA to cover your deductible. Oh. And then anything above that you could use to pay your rates. Hey. That's what I would say. That's, that's all right. <laughs> the cool. other thing is you'd probably have to raise your limit. There's uh, by law a limit that you can contribute to your health savings account every year. You'd probably have to bump that up a little bit. Okay. So, hey, yeah, I'd go yay also. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> well, what a good show. Um Thank you so much for listening. It was really fun. I'm glad we're back. I am too, in our new studio. It's yeah, so nice. It's beautiful. Uh, please, 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 if you're listening to this now, uh, rate us on iTunes. So it turns out people have taken our advice and rated us on iTunes. They've been very kind. And we're like in the at least midway pack on uh, a certain category in iTunes, which is... I, mm, I think it's health and nutrition or I don't remember what the <laughs> classification is, but we're we're climbing the charts. All right. Woo. <laughs> yeah. So please, if you haven't, um, please rate us on iTunes. Also subscribe. Make sure this comes straight to you whenever we feel the need to release. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas about how you think we could possibly improve healthcare. Uh, send us an email at healthoclockpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. So uh, we're hoping to do a uh, healthcare economic show next time. So stay tuned for that. Also, we've got a show lined up on Medicaid. So you can learn all about that. Ooh, and mental health. That's coming and up. And mental too. health's coming up too. So we got a lot of ideas. We promise we won't wait so long next time to give you a show. Thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time.